0: You're listening to Pulse Radio. Yo, YBH. Pushing P. Hey, pushing P. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio in the building, man. And we're vibing today. Hey, hey, come on, man. We're going to do something so different today. I haven't done this in a minute, but I'm super excited to. We're going to do a week in review, we're gonna do a week in review, talking about everything going on in pop culture, um, in politics, in world affairs, and man, it's gonna be so crazy because it always seems like there's something going on in this social media community. Uh, the last time that I did a week in review, this was back in like I believe like July, August, I was talking about the Olympics, and my Shakiri Richardson take went viral. I did not mean for it to go viral. I did not think it would. Um, I did not have any followers on um, TikTok for real. And I had, of course, I posted it on HBCU Pulse. But I did not think that that would take off the way that it did. I was not trying to be controversial. I was not trying to have a hot take. I was not trying to make nobody mad. But I mean, shout out to everybody for uh, tapping in with it though, (laughs) I guess. Thank you. And you would think that You know, me doing this podcast thing and Pulse Radio has been going on for what over a year at this point. You know, when I started Pulse Radio, we started it uh, on Super Bowl Sunday in 2021, and this has been over a year that I've done this, and we've done so many things, interviewing politicians, gubernatorial candidates, celebrities. We interviewed the founder of The Shade Room, Angie Wandu, and all the different things that we've done. we talked about a lot of important things and talked a lot of important topics. We brought Arielle in to talk about sports and Tierra in to talk about politics and Shelby contributed well. And we had You had Janae who was talking about TV. You know, but you would think that I would have kept going on that one viral moment and kept building, but I didn't. And I'm mad at myself for that. You know, as someone that is in post-grad, And I'm trying to figure out life. I'm I'm post-grad, graduated from Fort State University in 2019 and still trying to figure it out, you know? And I, you know, I I worked at iHeartRadio here in Macon uh, as an account executive. I'm going to invoke, you know, that energy and that expertise I got from working as an account executive in advertising for nine months in a second. But like, you know, it's been rough. It's been interesting, you know, these past Few months and really this past year. So, I want to get back to the work, man. I want to get back to broadcasting. I want to get back to that millennial Tom Jordan energy. So, I'm going to try my absolute best to do this every week. And I'm pretty sure I will have something to talk about every week, knowing myself and knowing how the news goes. I will have something to talk about. And of course, first and foremost, you would think I would start with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but we have to start off with some Black History Month positivity. It's Friday as I record this, and the news just came out that President Joe Biden has nominated Judge Ketanji Brown to the Supreme Court, and she's the first black woman to serve in that seat. Come on. She's not vote in. I'm not worried about it. Black history. You're not going to vote against a black Supreme Court justice and that was nominated on Black History Month, and I think she checks off all the boxes. I think what a lot of people forget is that there's never going to be a perfect choice And there's never going to be a perfect pick really anywhere in life, whether it's relationships, jobs, restaurants to eat at on the weekend. Like, it's never going to be a perfect pick for anything because nothing is truly perfect in this life. So I think Judge Katanji Brown, I believe that she's a perfect pick to be a justice on the Supreme Court. She has a, a great legal background. She's experienced. She's articulate. And I believe that she's going to speak to the black experience in a different way. I don't think she's going to be a rehash of Clarence Thomas. Why would she? Like, why would she be a rehash of Clarence Thomas? We have to have an understanding that we ain't gonna get Malcolm X or someone like Malcolm X in to be a Supreme Court justice or the president. We don't live in a society like that. But at the same time, we can put someone in place that has an understanding of black culture and we might disagree with her. I don't think on big issues we will, but we might disagree with her. We might differ in opinion. But what I want to know is that this Supreme Court justice will lead with compassion. She will rule in compassion. She will ask the right questions. She will start the right conversations on that court. And then she will think, use her experience as a black woman to guide her judgment and make the right choices or choices on what she votes on when she's on that Supreme Court. That's my hope. She might not be that. And if she's not, maybe maybe the folks that are saying, oh, she has a white husband. Oh, that's why Z. Maybe they're right. But I think that based on her background, her upbringing, her family. I believe that she's going to be a good Supreme Court justice, and we have to just stop being negative. We have to be strategic and understand how the political system works and applaud this black woman on Black History Month making history. President Biden, he said he would put a black woman in that seat if he was elected to be president of the United States. He said that two years ago, almost to the day, I think to this day. And he lived up to the promise. Y'all swear up and down, oh, Joe Biden didn't count student loans, Joe Biden didn't do this and that. He did this one. Can we be a little bit happy and let her do her work and see what happens and go from there? And let's not forget that a Supreme Court is a 6-3 conservative majority. So the conservatives still run the court. And I would say primarily it's because, I'll say we, because I I went and voted in 2016, but we didn't vote the way that we should have. And because of that, Things got thrown out of whack and now it's a six-three majority on that court. And this might be the only appointment that the only appointment that President Biden does in this first term. We'll see, but we don't know. So it looks like it might still be conservative, but now you have a younger person that's on that court for his lifetime appointment, hopefully can serve in good interest of black people. And we'll see, but also good interest of America. But black people, she black, she front of community, so we expect her to hold it down for us in a lot of these cases. All right. But shout out to her. Congratulations to Judge uh Katanji Brown, man. Shout out to her. So of course, let's stick on politics and world affairs. So Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, it was a couple days ago. It was like on on like Wednesday. Um, Russia invaded Ukraine Wednesday night, and it was scary, man. Um, you know, just to see them advance and you know, the teasing of what could be possibly World War Three and just the reckless abandon that the you know the Russians are going into Ukraine with and Really, just the the warped rationale of Vladimir Putin and you know the Russian president and 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 just his reasoning behind going in there it just makes no sense. He's trying to justify going in and taking over a country, and the the citizens of Ukraine have nothing to do with his beef, nothing to do with anything going on. And now they're put in a situation where they're fearing for their lives, trying to run around crying. You have Americans over there, and they're feeling the brunt of will I make it out of this? You have citizens of ukraine that now are being pushed into war they have to fight for their country if they're men over 18 years old they have to stay in ukraine and fight for their country like it's just man like it, it was so sad and you know i was looking at the media coverage and you know i'm not gonna lie like i, I can't fully speak to what's going on I, I don't like to speak on topics that i'm ignorant in and i'm still doing my research i'm, I'm watching the news i'm reading articles and i'm trying to Really figure out fully what's going on. But I want to talk about the media element because I'm the media guy. I'm obsessed with media. So there's a couple takes I want to, you know, talk about, right? So, first and foremost, shout out to all of the reporters on the ground in Ukraine for CNN, for MSNBC, for other outlets, even Fox News. If you are in Ukraine, salute to you because you care about your profession, you care about telling that story. You are on the ground in a war zone. It's explosions going off over your head. Like CNN viewers knew that it was going down and that Russia was moving in when you had that reporter that was doing a live shot and we heard a bang and this man immediately started putting on, you know, all all the different stuff, his helmet, his jacket to protect himself just in case something went down and you saw the fear that permeated him as you saw him adjusting and you had Don Lemon talking to another correspondent in another part of Ukraine. He was adjusting. He was fidgeting. He is in a war zone. So I see a lot of folks saying, oh, I couldn't do that. Okay, fine. You can't do it. Being a reporter is a very important job because if had he not been over there, wouldn't be able to see the live images and hear the sounds that really show us like, man, this is what's going on. This is serious. This is what's occurring. These reporters are interviewing Ukrainians, talking about how serious this is, how they're feeling. They're making it a human interest story where now we understand in a real way, in a human way, how this is affecting families, how this is affecting children women men in that country so the notion of oh man they're a reporter I don't know why they're over there I can't do that I don't understand why they're doing it like it's football bro they're telling the story and you can tell some folks don't understand journalism but they're telling the story and we need to applaud them so my hat goes off as a media professional and also as a media studies graduate to those folks over there that are covering that story and showing us what's really going on on the ground shout <laughs> to y'all man hats off Folks don't get it, but I do. But here's another thing folks don't get. I said this when I did the last episode of Pulse Politics with Tierra, And we talked about uh, the whole entire crack pipe story that was circulating around a few weeks ago. And what I said was that a lot of people don't understand a lot of things. And they definitely don't understand politics, but I want to say that you don't understand media. So let me speak to everyone. As a former account executive, that worked in advertising for nine months, how this thing goes. So CNN is covering Russia's invasion of Ukraine. MSNBC is covering the same thing. Fox News is covering the same thing. A lot of your news organizations are covering the same thing. CNN might be talking about what's going on in Ukraine. They might be showing the air sirens. Then an Alphabees commercial comes up. It's called the media business for a reason. See, what people don't understand about media is that these reporters are doing this because they're passionate about their job. They're over in Ukraine on the ground talking to citizens of Ukraine and they're having bombs and hearing these, these shell casing sounds and, and seeing bombs in the sky seeing explosions behind them. They're doing it because they're passionate about telling this story and they love their job, but they're also getting paid. They're also feeding their family with the money that they get from being a CNN, a Fox News or MSNBC Reporter, how does the news stations make money? Well, you make money as a media company two different ways. Through a subscription-based model or you do it through advertising. So most of your media companies where we're able to basically watch them for free for the most part and consume their content for free is going to be supported by ads. Now, how are ads sold? How are they determined? So account executives like how I was from August 2020 to April 2021 they have inventory that they're selling to different restaurants and businesses, and even media companies. All those different things. When you're working on a national level for for a, a place like CNN, and they probably group CNN and the rest of the, the rest of, of the Turner Enterprises, like your TNTs, your TBSs, your CNN, and like your your different ad supported networks, they probably bundle them together and then you sell inventory that way. Now, you can probably sell for CNN separately. You can sell for TBS separately. You can sell for TNT separately, but typically they probably sell them together to get a higher amount of money and a higher frequency of advertising, right? So normally Applebee's, for example, because that's the whole thing. You saw that it was like CNN showed the Applebee's commercials that, was, that were covering Ukraine. So normally what happens is that Applebee's, the company, has an ad buyer, a media buyer. So the media buyer reaches out to these different media companies and their ad executives, or the ad executives reach out to them. And they coordinate an advertising schedule and a budget and a frequency and the time slot you want. And then you, they pay for it. They might lock you into an annual contract. They might do you for a couple months. But with Applebee's, I'm pretty sure Applebee's and you know their media buyer, they're pretty confident in Turner and CNN and their properties. So they lock in to like an annual contract, they probably paid for it probably last year. or Maybe at the beginning of the year, they re up on their contract, they paid their money, they send their spots over, you put them in the system, you're running. Now, when Applebee's media buyer contacted CNN's ad executives, do you think the ad executives or the media buyers or the CNN brass knew there was going to be an ev- invasion of Ukraine by Russia in February of 2022? Could we have reasonably believed that? If I'm the account executive speaking to the media buyers and the agency, could I have known that it was going to be an invasion? It was going to be bombs and, and, and explosions? Could I have reasonably known that? Could I have reasonably known that CNN would be covering a war? Could I have known that five months ago? Could I have known that two months ago? No, I couldn't have. I'm just doing my job as an agency slash media buyer. And as an account executive, that's all I'm doing. So the outrage over the Applebee's commercial that was played during coverage of the invasion of Ukraine, that outrage was insane. When I saw the video pop up, when they had the air sirens going on and then switched to Applebee's and you had, you know, the Ukraine shot in a a smaller box, I thought it was funny. Oh, okay, I see where you're going. (laughs) Ha ha, that's funny. But then when I saw people were really mad and Applebee's really released a statement and CNN Really said, yeah, we're not going to do that no more. I was like, y'all really let social media dictate the way you do business and dictate the way that you satisfy an advertiser. So you're telling me, and maybe people felt this way, but you're telling me during the hurricane that was going on in New Orleans, that was just, that was, I think, what's stronger than Hurricane Katrina. And that moved all the way to the East Coast in September. You're telling me that you didn't see CNN show commercials just like they did on yesterday? You're telling me you didn't see that? Or was or was it not? Was it less convenient for you to make a joke then versus now and go viral? I think a lot of things on social media is people going viral and not understanding the context. Cause I can't believe Applebee's blamed CNN and people were like, "Oh, you really should blame CNN because CNN ran it." They had that already set. They put it in a system. They run it. How is CNN gonna know that y'all was gonna be upset that they ran an Albee's commercial during the coverage? They weren't being insensitive. They were trying to fund their journalists that are over there risking their lives to cover this story. Don Lemon gets paid from advertising. Jake Topper gets paid for advertising. Abby Phillip, Laura Coates, everybody on that network gets paid for advertising. That ad executives are going out. They're trying to find these national media companies and these agencies and trying to get them to buy ads in the time slots of the different CNN shows. Why would you not want to advertise on CNN? That, like, you have a diverse viewership. When there's stuff and something going on, people are always watching. Why would you not want to advertise on CNN? That was not bad on anyone's part, and if you understood media and you understood advertising, you would realize that it was not a problem. Now I saw some interesting rebuttals. They were like, "Well, maybe CNN could have pulled that advertisement or suspended advertising just for this moment, and then basically they could have show they could have showed the advertisement at another time." That's true. You have make good spots. You can make up for the advertisement if you don't run it at that point. That is very true. They could have done that, but they didn't. I'm not mad at them. But you can't get mad because we're talking about a capitalist society. So you're talking about this sort of capitalist society. This happens with capitalism. But can you be less mad at the players and more of the system? Be mad at the system. Don't be mad at, at, at Applebee's and their ad buyers or at CNN, but not at the capitalist system that makes it where independent journalism is funded by businesses that are trying their best to get their product out there. So it's a marriage between the networks and, and radio stations and television stations that have viewership and the viewership you want and the business that wants to attract that viewership. And it, it performs a perfect marriage because the business is funding that level of journalism and helping keep the lights on at CNN and all these other media companies. And on the flip side, these journalists get a chance to cover stories independent from any rule, independent from any say, outside of what they're saying in-house. Applebee's isn't determining what stories are being covered by CNN. They're trusting that CNN is upholding their journalistic standard and their ethical standard. They have that understanding, and CNN is living up that understanding, and they're paying for that ad time at that point. I understand it being a joke. I'm I'm funny, I think. (laughs) I'm funny. I like to joke. I laugh. I love Twitter. But y'all turn that into less of a joke and more of a problem. And I hope nobody got fired off that. I hope nobody got in trouble off that, because that's what normally happens. Y'all had nothing to say when, when, when they were showing commercials during the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020. No problem with that. Hurricanes going on. They show they show commercials. But today, you got Tom today. Okay. I just sometimes social media makes me so upset, but whatever. So let's talk a little bit more about media. Um, this got me a little bit upset this week, too. This got me a little bit upset. So, Jason Lee um of Hollywood Unlocked. Um, he, you know, if you know him, he was on and Out. Um, he has, you know, real big platform now. Um he primarily is on Instagram and Twitter and he has his own radio show. It's a radio they have a radio show that comes on um, on Sundays um on um I have Radio stations. I know um here in Macon 97.9 uh, they have they have Hollywood Unlocked that comes on. Uh so he he has built a great platform. And it's a platform that's built primarily on celebrity news and celebrity gossip. That's fine. That's the entertainment side. But What was sort of odd to me, and I'm not the biggest Hollywood Unlocked fan, I don't have an issue with them, I'm more so of a Shade Room guy, and I never, in my recollection of me seeing the content shared by Hollywood Unlocked, I've never seen them share a story of the magnitude of the possible death of Queen Elizabeth II, a queen, (laughs) I've never seen that, that's normally TMZ's lane. TMZ normally notoriously posts the death of celebrities and and politicians and prominent influencers. They're they're normally the ones that break that, not Hollywood Unlocked. Now, if a celebrity unfortunately passed away or something went down with a celebrity, okay, Hollywood Unlocked, The Shade Room, yeah, I would see it there. But when I saw that Hollywood Unlocked, they posted that Queen Elizabeth II had died. After it was reported, that she had COVID-19 she they just reported she got COVID-19 and she started canceling events but they reported that she died and they it, it, it were really depending on on this anonymous source that wasn't mentioned at that point point. and people were like why are y'all posting about the devil queen Elizabeth like how do you know that's that that's something that's confirmed like and it was like odd to me and I immediately went to Twitter and reliable sites and I saw that they immediately struck that down and said, hey, no, Queen Elizabeth is alive. Queen Elizabeth II is alive. What are you talking about? What's going on? What are you talking about? And then it proved that he was wrong and Jason Lee and the Hollywood Unlocked team was wrong. And instead of apologizing, because if he apologized, we would move on. And sensible people would move on. Like That happens. Like media companies are wrong at points. I've, I've been wrong with HBCU polls. Folks have been wrong before. And that's fine. But instead of just apologizing, Jason Lee, the owner of Hollywood Unlocked, decided to get belligerent and to start going after people. I was like, Jason, dog, what are you doing, Jason? What are you doing? Because at the end of the day, we have to abide by a level of media ethics. And if you have a media company, you have to abide by that because those media ethics is what makes people trust you. So while you might not be a CNN, you might not be ad supported to a point where Applebee's can pull your ad or whatever and, and, and make or you're not getting money anymore, people don't advertise with you anymore. You are an independent entity. You can do what you want to do. But media ethics, in this case, is building a trust with your audience. And then now this is a PR disaster. Like, now this, this, this is now an international incident. Like, and I understand Jason trying to protect himself and Hollywood Unlock and say, hey, these are the sources. We talked to this person. We talked to that person. We talked to this person. And we were wrong. But it's like, don't just try to prove it. You were wrong. I don't understand why we rush to report the death of a celebrity or a dignitary. I just never really understood it. I do think it is the responsibility of the family to release that information. I think that in this social media society, and I think it's like, you know, journalism is the same, but it's different in the regards of the era that we're in. Now we're in an industry where if you're first, You get the most views, the most ad revenue, the most hits. Your your name is in the conversation if you're first versus just being right. I think journalism has evolved and upgraded, but the basics of it is the same. The level of ethics, the level of sourcing, the level of content creation is still the same. But what's changed is this fast-paced nature of how we consume information. And a lot of media companies are trying to Cater to that consumer hunger for news and information to digest and speak on and comment on and tweet on. So you're trying to be first instead of being correct. If I get a story that someone passed away, I don't care about the exclusive. What I want to know is if it's true because I don't want to hurt somebody. I don't want to cause anguish to a family. I don't want to scare somebody by thinking someone has passed away. And that's supposed to be what journalism is. We're supposed to care about the story and the angle that we're taking. But I think that in the social media era, we strayed away from ethics. And I have no problem with Jason. Hollywood Unlocked is doing his thing. It's inspirational for me outside of this moment because I have Pulse Media and HBCU Pulse and Pulse Radio. I would love to have a Sunday I Heart Radio show. I would love that. I want to have hundreds of thousands of followers. We have 42,000 on HBCU Pulse right now. So I applaud Jason and the Hollywood Lock team for what they're doing. But it's okay to admit that you're wrong. What I've always said is that humans are dynamic. This is not grown okay? This is not a TV show where you have characters that are linear. Humans are dynamic. So I believe that people are get their jokes off, but we'll understand that you made a mistake and that you'll do better next time. If, if something like that came around you or you got, like, a tip of that, you would really check and source it to make sure everything's all good and then report it. Because it just, it sort of seemed like Jason, to a point, was hoping that she died. And I'm, I'm just, I'm like, like, just me looking at the tweets of like, oh, if we not got confirmation yet, are you hoping that she died so you'll be right? Like, ha y'all, she did. Like, I, I just... I don't. I don't. Und- I just didn't understand the point of the stance that Jason took and the beef with Roland Martin. I, I, I definitely didn't understand that because Jason was wrong. I understand the level of pride, but what did Roland Martin say that was wrong? Tell me one thing that Roland Martin said that was wrong about what you just did, and then the fact that you continue to double down on the notion that she might have passed away and people aren't being honest. I, I don't understand it, man. I, I really don't. I think that we just have to really, as as media companies and as personalities, influencers, we have to really evaluate how we're disseminating information and if we're being ethical. If we have a social media brand or a media brand in general, we're not held to the same standards of newspapers, of radio stations, of TV stations. We're not held to those same standards. But we have to have our own ethical and moral standard our own journalistic or personality code of what to and not to do. And I think that Jason needs to evaluate that because Jason can come back. Hollywood Lock is amazing. He can come back. But you have to understand at some point, at the very least, if you're trying to be bold in public but realize, yo, yeah, we messed up in private, do that. It, that makes you feel better. But Jason has to recognize that he messed up. And this mistake has to then inform the way that he handles business going forward. But before I go, I want to talk about Gronish. If y'all know me and y'all have listened to this podcast ever since last year, you would know that I am a huge opponent of Gronish. I'm very opinionated about TV, and I plan to do some more television reviews and recaps. But we we haven't done Gronish recaps because, you know, uh, my partner, Janae, uh, she's doing amazing things. She's with, she's with, um, she's, she's a Peter Roth fellow, For uh, the Paley Center for Media. So, shout out to Janae, man. Shout out to her. If you listen to Janae, proud of you. So, we were doing an amazing job covering Gronish. We were killing it. And for me, man, oftentimes I don't want to just sit and ramble. I don't want to do that. And with Gronish, there ain't too much to talk about. So, it was cool to talk to somebody about Gronish and have Janae recapping and then I talk about it. So I stopped doing the Grownish recaps. Also, I just sort of stopped being as interested in it. But I do watch it. Like, I watched on Hulu the next day. Like, I do watch it. Like, I just watched this last episode. And we're, like, I think halfway into this second half of the fourth season. And it's almost March. And I think we're approaching the season and possible series finale when everyone graduates. But I just want to just say that with Grownish, has anybody noticed that Zoe has become a minor character? Has anyone else noticed that? Have you noticed that in this season, everyone else's story has had more airtime than Zoe? Like Zoe has literally become a my she's Ryan Destiny at this point. Like she's Lillian. Like she she is she's now Lillian. Like Aaron's story this past episode was bigger. Uh you you had freaking um the twin. I think that's that Sky. No, it's Jazz, Jazz. Jazz's story about therapy was bigger than Zoe's story. You had the story with Anna, that her, her story was bigger. You had the story with uh with what you call it. Um, the other I always forget, well, I forget the character's name. But everybody's story is bigger than Zoe's story. You want to know what that tells me? I think that the writers have heard our criticisms of Gronish and how Zoe is one of the most unlikable characters in TV history. Now we love Yara, Yara's amazing. But Zoe is one of the worst written characters in TV history by far. And it's not even close. It's not even close, my dog. Not even close. So instead of writing her more maturely or showing that she's grown, they decided to break up her and Aaron and basically make her a secondary character, have her quietly rekindle a relationship with Luca as we focus on characters that are more interesting and are more developed. That is the remedy. They say, listen, this show is going to end after this season. <laughs> like, this show is going to end. All right. Enjoy it while it's here. We will give you more Aaron and Vivek and Anna. And no, that's the name. Nomi. We're going to give you more of their storylines. And we're going to give you more Doug and more Kira. We're going to give you more of that. So you can be happy with those characters. And Zoe's never going to change. Listen, the blackish universe is done. Blackish is ending this year. After this season, Mixed Dish got canceled. I don't know if the spinoff with Jennifer Lewis and Lawrence Fishburne about, um, you know, Dre's parents. I don't know if that spinoff is going to still happen because you have Kenya Barris who created those shows. Now he's with he's with Viacom BET. He's with BET now, right? He was with Netflix, and they they initially. You know, sort of severed ties with Netflix. Now he's with BET. He's with a whole other media company now. So I don't believe that we will see Grownish have another season and Blackish is ending. If the big show is ending, I'm pretty sure the spinoff is going to end as well because th- there's no more story to tell. And my criticism of Gronish, and I know it, it can be over the top sometimes, but my criticism of Gronish was always rooted in the fact that it never truly made sense. It never did. And no one could make it make sense. If you want me to be honest. No one could make it make sense. No one could make Zoe hopping from boy to boy to boy make sense. No one could make the way that they write even the minor characters make sense. Listen, if I was doing the recaps of Grown-ish, and I and I, I might cut, hop back and do them j- j- just because it's about the about end. But like, bro, that whole entire thing with Jazz and the young man, that wore dresses and how they painted out Jazz as the bad guy because she's used to one culture and style. And she tried to be accepting a buddy, but then and, and then basically had a conversation yeah, I feel uncomfortable with you wearing the dress in public. I, I'm not trying to tell you not to wear it, but I just feel uncomfortable. And instead of talking about compromise and being mature. You make Jazz like a bad guy and a crazy person and then drive her to therapy because she can't get with a guy she's trying to talk to wearing a dress, and that's her preference. She's not being hateful towards him. She just has a certain way of going about things, and yeah, if they can't compromise on that, they should part ways. But why are you making her a villain? I think it was a whole different conversation that could have happened in that episode that could have been powerful but you're trying to be different. You're trying to, to, to like, like pander to a new generation and write what's going on. I get it. You're trying to have a wide audience. I get it. But if you're going to write these stories, write them with sensitivity and write them and make them make sense because you're wasting great performances from Chloe and Halle and Diggy and Trevor and Yara. You're wasting great performances from these amazing actors and actresses to write BS. And that's what Gronish has become. And it's not just Grownish. That's what TV has been. That's what Power Book Two was. Force is better. Raising Canaan is better. BMF's amazing. But TV has become we're not gonna build these stories because we only have eight to ten episodes, maybe thirteen. So we're not really going to build these stories and build these characters. We're just going to thrust them into a story and just make them be in situations that don't make sense, essentially making the show a soap opera. That's why I like Air. There's been a lot of conversations about Air, and I'm going to get into them later on. Just give me some time. But Air is a great show. And the thing about it is that people are so hung up on the fact that it is a spinoff of The Fresh Prince. They're so hung up on that. But the thing that you have to think about is that they never said they're going to be the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They said they're going to be Bel-Air, and Bel-Air was going to be a new take, a modern take on that same story. And I think they're doing an amazing job telling that story and creating dynamic characters. Bel-Air might be the best show out right now. That that and Abbott Elementary, telling you, telling you, man, those are the two best shows out right now. Y'all need to get on it. And I hope that we're heading towards more so an Abbott Elementary type of comedy. And a Bel Air type of drama More than we are the groanishes And Power Book 2's of the world And that's just the truth for me But that is my weekend review Hope you enjoyed it I enjoyed talking about it I just want to be honest when it comes to everything I have no beef with anybody I just want just to tell the truth I think that we need to be more Informed about what's going on in the world And why things happen And then once we're more informed about things Make those observations then But I know that I'm wishing upon a star Okay that's not gonna happen, it's social media People say whatever they want to say and they're unchecked for it So I get it But nevertheless thank you so much for listening Make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 On Instagram, on TikTok and on Twitter And on YouTube, just Pulse Radio And also make sure to tap in With my proud family review I'm a proud Proud family alum I love it I watch it all the time But I'm not feeling this new spin off and I tell you why. So make sure to go listen to that. But nevertheless, this is Randall Barnes and I will see you on the other side. You're listening to Pulse Radio. <laughs>